Welcome as we um, begin again to meet indoors. It's good to, to be in this place with people. Some months ago I was here with no people, and then for a while we had pictures of people on the pews, which uh, was better than nothing at all, I suppose. But uh, it's good to have uh, more faces than just the sound guys and the tech guys and the music people and all that. So it's good to, good to be here. We trust as uh, time moves on that uh, we'll find some um, good way of doing this and meeting outside and inside and so forth. Um, so it's just good to be here with, uh, with you in this particular space. A um, couple of announcements before we um, begin with the service. Uh, one is that um, for the Women's Insight Center, or Insight Women's Center, I guess it's called now, um, it's the time for the baby bottle campaign, so you can pick up a baby bottle. Uh, the hope is to fill it uh, with money and uh, bring it back in a particular date in October, on October 11th. Uh, it, it's not so much about raising money for them, it's just simply by raising awareness, and they know that if you're doing this, you're thinking and praying for them. And so it's a great blessing for them to receive these bottles back uh, in a month or so and, and be able to, to say those folks know of us and care for us and pray for us and will even to give to us. So um, uh, please uh, do that. It's a ministry that we support. We don't ask uh, for people to give to ministries other than those that are mission team and we as a church support. So... We trust that organization. And secondly, for the men of the church, um, the men's hiking trip is on. It's uh, September 17th through the 20th. You can find the details on our website under men's ministry, so you can uh, pursue that and understand how that event will take place. And then finally, just given the nature of our morning, uh, as we shared with you, um, we will, at the end of the service, dismiss or usher out uh, folks from the back pews to the front. That way, that'll give everybody a chance to, to, move, uh, to move out in that direction. Uh, it's good practice for us uh, for the weeks to come, if, uh, even if it may not be as needed this morning. So, um, so welcome. Let me ask you to stand, please, as we begin our time of worship with this call to worship. Um, and this call to worship is responsive. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come with um, great joy this morning to worship. How could we not? You are glorious in every respect in your wisdom, power, love. You've made and sustained all that is and this by the power of your word. By your wisdom, you ordain all things that come to pass. In love, you give us life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, forgiving our sins, reconciling us to you. And by the work of your spirit within us, you conform us to Christ's image. And by his presence among us, we are assured that a day will come when all will be well, when all that is evil shall be banished from the earth and all will reflect your glory. Oh, please, God, enable us now to see your glory even as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and see of him who died for thee. And hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown in the Lord of love, behold his hands and sides, rich wounds and visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully 
Confess our sins together, praying. Almighty God, you created us for life together, but too often we have turned from your will. We have failed to love as you command. We have broken our promises to you and to one another. We've taken much and given little. Forgive our disobedience, O God, and strengthen us in love that we may faithfully serve you as your people and live together in your joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Take a moment quietly and confess your sins. Please receive this as assurance of forgiveness of sins for all those who trust in Christ. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Please stand together. And using this passage from John chapter one that speaks to us of Jesus, let us together profess our faith. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme. Conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain that resists your holy. You have loved and purchased me. 
make me yours forevermore. I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to summer months, for whatever reason, we haven't included a dedication of offering in our, in our liturgy, trying to kind of scale things back for time. But we're grateful that people are faithful to give, and uh, thus, on this day, for us to give thanks uh, to the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we're, we're grateful for uh, your provision of life and provision of everything that we need for life and godliness. And we thank you for employment. We thank you that you have sustained the employment of so many, yet even in these days we realize there are some among us who have lost jobs. And so we do pray that you would provide for their needs and enable us to help them as well. And we give you thanks for the faithfulness of your people to, to give. We know your promises that you are faithful to bless the giving of your people in ways sometimes we can't even imagine or perhaps even see at the moment, but we know that as you bless us, for you command nothing of us that isn't for our good. So we trust that our giving is for your glory and our good, and the good of those who are blessed by the ministry of your church. So thank you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the scripture, let me ask you to, to turn to the first epistle of John. First John in chapter one, please. I want to read verses one uh, through four. And as you're finding that in before I pray, I also want to say a welcome for those who are live streaming. I, I forgot about you in the very beginning because I was so focused on real people in this room. And I know there are many who still are unable to... Uh, to gather, and so uh, I want to welcome you uh, as well and trust that uh, you have a sense of the presence of God and a sense of belonging and a sense of uh, being with us in this service. So welcome. As we come to the scripture, let me pray. Uh, Father in heaven, your, your word is alive, you say, and it revives the soul, and so I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would attend the reading of your word. So we read these four verses. And that you would cause them to come alive in our hearts and minds. 
that you would, you'd plant them. As you say, this word is a seed that's planted, an imperishable seed, that, and, and you plant it in such a way that it, it never dies, but continues to grow in us and give us life. So please, Holy Spirit, attend your word as we read it, as we think about it together. In Jesus' name, amen. First John in chapter one, this is the word of the Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was manifest and we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then together we say, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You know, as I read that, I, I, I can't stop but thinking about what must have been going through John's mind as he was writing it and thinking about Jesus. Thinking about when he was with them on earth and all that had taken place. You get a sense that this is a, a deep reflection on his part. He kind of recounts it very, very briefly. Uh, now, I say John even though John's not mentioned in this letter. In fact, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Hebrews are the only New Testament letters where the sender isn't identified. But we say John because everybody's always said John. If you go back and read the early church fathers, if they quote anything from this epistle, they say our apostle John said this, or the elder John said this, or our brother John said this. And so they've always attributed it to John. And, and, And I don't know, if perhaps when we were doing our profession of faith this morning, reading it together from the Gospel of John, chapter one, and then when I read this, if you didn't hear an echo, if you didn't say, wait, wait a minute, I think I've, I think I've just heard something like this, uh, because it is like it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, he was with God in the beginning, that which was from the beginning. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, the word of life. In fact, as we read through this epistle, what we'll find are are many echoes from uh, that fourth gospel, the gospel according to John. It's almost as if uh, John's taking what was in that gospel and, and writing just a bit of it by way of application to a particular church or particular churches, probably in the area around Ephesus. And he's writing to them because because there's been a great division that's taken place in the church. There have been some who've left. And and, and, and these who've left didn't leave, you know, so often in the church in America, people leave for all kinds of sort of reasons that aren't really essential reasons to the faith. They haven't left the faith. We don't think they've left the faith. Uh, uh, Still brothers and sisters in Christ We still could worship together and all of that, but for whatever reason, find another place uh, to worship. But, 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 But this situation was a situation of eternal life and eternal death. John would say that those who are no longer with him were not in the faith. Those who are no longer with him were not believers in Jesus. Those who are no longer with him did not have eternal life. Notice how John describes them in the second chapter in verse 18. He says, children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have knowledge. I write to you uh, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist 
He who denies the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. You see, these who've left are those who've denied Christ. They've denied that he's from God. They deny that he's the son of God. They deny that he's the word made flesh dwelt among us. They deny the fact that he's God in the flesh. And so they left. And and now John's writing back to those who stayed. And I don't know if you can think about it, but if you were one of those who stayed, perhaps you might be asking this question. If they left, and John says they're no longer in the faith, how do I know I am? How do I know that those of us who've remained, how do I know that I really have eternal life, you see? And so John writes to them to give them assurance. And in, in chapter five and, uh, and verse uh, 13, uh, we read this. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's writing to them to give them assurance. He's writing to them to say, these have left, but I want to tell you what it means to be a Christian. And when I do that, you'll hear that and you go, yes, I do have eternal life. That's John's purpose, to bring assurance to this people and to bring assurance to us. To answer that question, what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean to be in the faith? What does it really mean to have eternal life? And to give believers, if you will, Assurance that yes, I do have an end for perhaps some to hear this and say, oh, I don't. But now I know how I can. So John writes to them. And he writes to them about eternal life and he, he says to them, eternal life isn't a philosophy. Eternal life isn't something you do. Eternal life is a person. And notice how he puts it in verse two. He says, the life, as he refers to the word of life, the life was made manifest and we've seen it. We've seen life. We've seen the life. The life was made manifest and we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He's saying we've seen eternal life because we've seen Jesus, because eternal life is him. It's in him. It's through him. It's from him. That's why he would say later, he who has the son, she who has the son, has life. But he, she who doesn't have the son, does not have life. Having eternal life is a matter of being in Jesus. Having a matter, uh, eternal life is a matter of believing and trusting in him and receiving it from him. He's the only one who can really give it, you see, because he's the only one who has it. He's the only one who is it. John says, we've seen it. We've seen this eternal life. And so now you see, John describes it, but it isn't just about what's in the future. It isn't about just living forever in the presence of the Lord. That's great, of course, and that's ultimate, and that's our hope. But, but also, eternal life has a sense of what's going on right now, that, that we know that we know the Lord. We know that he knows us. We know that when he pray, we pray, he hears us. We know that when we read the scripture, we're hearing from him. We know that our life has purpose because we belong to God, the creator of all that is. Our lives aren't vanity, as Ecclesiastes puts it, not futility, as he says. But we know our our lives have real purpose because we belong to God. And he's working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He's working in us that for which he intended human beings to be and to have. And so we know I'm living out the real purpose for which I was created, and so I have purpose, you see, because I have eternal life. I have the very life of God in me. There's a, an old book written by a Puritan, Henry Scrogel, and the title is The Life of God in the Soul of Man. I only think I've read a third of the book, but I love the title. 
I can meditate. I pick up the book and I can't get past the title. Yes, eternal life, you see. God's life through Jesus in us. And so John says, I've come to proclaim this to you. And I, I'm commissioned to proclaim it. And he has this, this unique, as one of the apostles, commission. Now we say, we all should proclaim the gospel. And the answer to that, of course, is true. We all should proclaim the gospel. No question about that. But, but the apostles were the very first to receive the commission. And they had a very special commission, a bit different than yours and mine, because they had been with Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of, of Jesus. Uh, and in fact, you remember that uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples, and he was speaking to them about his crucifixion and uh, in veiled terms about his resurrection. But primarily he was speaking to them about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit who would be with them after he ascended. And because the Spirit was with them, you see, he could say this. Jesus said, these things, this is John, the Gospel, chapter 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so Holy Spirit would come on these apostles in such a way that they would understand everything that needed to be understood about Jesus. And there was still a lot they needed to understand because the cross still hadn't happened at this point. And they would hang out with Jesus a bit afterward and he explained it to them. But, but they didn't even more, you see. And so they were able to share all of that in their writings and in their preaching. Then chapter 15 of John's Gospel, verse 25, we have, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, they were to bear witness. They were to testify. And John's saying, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I'm proclaiming to you the eternal life and to, to testify. And I can do that. You can trust me because I've seen it. I'm a witness. And so he goes in and he begins to describe Jesus and describes why it is that we can trust his description. He says, that which was from the beginning. Now, uh, scholars, good scholars, people who read First John for a living and spend their lives with it, uh, say there's a couple of different ways to look at this expression, from the beginning. One is to look at it as it's describing the Son of God as being eternal, uh, rather like Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Or in John chapter 1, um, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. So we go, yes, of course, Jesus is eternal. He's God, and God with us. He was before the beginning of all that is. In fact, John in his epistle uses from the beginning in that, in that way in a couple of different places. And that's helpful, of course, it's helpful in de dealing with the, the antichrist, the heretics that, 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 that John's writing against because they were saying that he isn't from the beginning, isn't eternal, he isn't God. But there's another way to think of this as well. And John, in his epistle, uses, is that, uses it that way. Uh, it's from the beginning of Jesus' coming, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In other words, he's saying, what we have for you, what we proclaim to you, what we testify about, is what we've always testified about Jesus. We haven't changed a bit. This is the way it's always been. Um, this is, as Jude put it, the faith once delivered to all the saints. He says, it hasn't changed. You can trust us. The Antichrist, they've changed it. Uh, they've, they've, they've changed it. We haven't changed it at all. This is the word of life. This is the gospel that we've always proclaimed, that which was from the beginning, you see. And that's helpful, too, because he's saying the Antichrist have changed it. We haven't changed it at all. In fact, in fact there's, there's still a teaching, and if you've taken a New Testament interpret class in college, 
not a Christian college, you probably, um, probably got this, that, that the church created Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. That, that the church embellished upon the life of this man, Jesus, and interposed all this deity stuff and this resurrection stuff because they wanted to keep the movement going. But it really wasn't that way from the beginning. And we say, no, 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 John, who was there in the beginning, says, no, it's from the beginning. And then he goes on. And it's hard not to envy him as he's talking. <laughs> because he says, that which is from the, was from the beginning, which we have heard. I mean, John's saying, I heard him. I heard him. In fact, I heard him teach. I remember the time he said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Because you see, when they heard Jesus teach, they heard one who taught with great authority. In fact, that's what everybody said, even his enemies said. We haven't heard anybody who, who teaches like this. Our scribes, our teachers of the law, they don't teach like this, but this man teaches with, with really great uh, authority. In fact, Jesus himself would say, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that day. You see, Jesus is saying, my word, what, I, what you heard me say, is so powerful that you're accountable to it, even on the day of judgment. And Jesus then would go on to say, why that's true. He said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a command what to say and what to speak. And I know his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father told me. And John would say, I heard him say, I'm the bread of life. John would say, I heard him say, I'm the light of the world. I heard him say I'm the good shepherd. I heard him say I'm the door. You can't enter into the presence of God except you come through me. Uh, I've heard him say I'm the resurrection and the life. I, I heard him say that if you die, you'll live because of me. I heard him say I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes from the Father, comes to the Father except through me. I, I heard him say that I'm the true vine. I heard all of that. I heard him say, I've come that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly. I heard him say, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So I, I heard him, all this stuff, I, I heard him, I heard him say. And then John, then John goes on and he says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes. And he said, well, John, how else could you see? Except with your eyes. We'll see in a minute. But, 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 but he said, I, I've seen with my eyes. And I'm an, we're eyewitnesses of this. We can really give testimony of this. We've heard it. But you can say, were you sure that was him? Well, no, no, yeah, I'm sure that was him because I saw him while he said it. I actually saw him. I saw his lips move. It was real. Eternal life is real. It's in this one, Jesus, the word become flesh and dwelling among us. It's really true, you see. I actually have, have, have seen him. And no doubt he would see that he turned water into wine. He would see the healings. He, would, he saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. He, so Jesus give new eyes to a blind man. He said Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He said Jesus die. He saw Jesus alive. He said, so I, I've, I've come to testify. I mean, I suspect if you're a, an attorney and you're putting on a trial and you have to have a witness, You'd really love to have one who actually saw exactly what happened and could come with credibility report exactly what happened. And so John says, I'm that kind of witness. I'm an eyewitness. And then he goes on to say this too. He says, um, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched. That little expression looked upon isn't a redundancy. It's a different word for see. In fact, it would be a word to see that would, might be very special to John. He uses it in his gospel in a couple of places, he uses it in that expression, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, among us, and we have seen his glory. 
It's, it's the word that means I see it and I get it. I see it and I understand it. In fact, some Easter's ago I preached on this passage from John chapter 20. It's the passage where uh, on resurrection day that, that, that Peter and John run to the tomb and when they run to the tomb, John, and it appears, gets there first. And uh, he looks in and he sees, but that's all we have. He just looked in, he saw what was there, what wasn't there, that was it. And then Peter looks in, and, and Peter sees it. It's a different word for see that John uses. It's a different word for sees. It, it means, uh, Peter began to think about this. Huh, what could this mean? And, and almost like listing possibilities in his mind, this tomb is empty, these linen cloths are here. What does this mean? And then Peter backs away, and then John looks in, and it says he saw and believed. That's this seeing here, to look upon, to behold. Ah, I see it. He said, so I heard him, I saw him, I understood. And I touched him. And I have no doubt the disciples touched Jesus all the time. They had no six-foot rule. They could actually be close to each other. And he, 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 would, he would touch, I'm sure, as people touch. But this touching is likely to be a reference to the resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead and he said, I'm not a phantom, I'm not a ghost, I'm real, touch me. And so John was able to say, listen, eternal life is real because Jesus is real and I know Jesus is real because I heard him, I saw him, I understood, I touched him. I know Jesus. The Antichrists aren't teaching really Jesus, but you can trust us. It's been this way from the beginning. We've always taught this way. We were commissioned to do it. We've received the Holy Spirit. He's taught us. Jesus has taught us. And now we're proclaiming this to you. You should believe it. This eternal life is not a philosophy. It's not something we do. This eternal life is Jesus. We need to be in him, trust him. He's the giver of life. Do you ever worry that sometimes we take Jesus for granted? I mean, you know, we just kind of, we just talk about Jesus and this and that all the time. And, and, and when I read this passage, I remember we were on vacation, so I read two commentaries on First John. That's what I do. Uh, for fun. And, uh, and so I, I remember reading this passage and just being stunned by it. The reality of the person of Christ. And, and he's Christianity. He's all we have. And he's everything. He's all we need. And so we always go back to Jesus. Do you ever get into little side arguments with people about this and that, about religion, about this issue or that topic or that topic? And I'm always reminded of a a statement by Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in London of another century. And in talking in a little book called uh, 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 Lessons for My Students, for Preachers, he said, read your text and make a beeline to the cross. (laughs) Read your text and make a beeline to Jesus. Essentially, because that's what we always must do, you see. I'm going on too long. This word of life, the gospel, the power of God. We're going to sing here in a moment, but what I want to get your mind rolling on is this. You might be sitting there thinking, I haven't had this experience that John had, I haven't heard him. I haven't seen him, I haven't touched him. Somehow that make my Christianity, my experience, my salvation, my eternal life somewhat somewhat lesser. And I believe if John were here and I believe if Jesus were here, uh, they'd say no, not at all. Not at all. Because you see, this word that we have, this word that we have, is alive. And when we come to the scripture and we read about Jesus, when we come to the scripture and we read about the things of God, the spirit of God takes that in the life of one of his own and makes it alive in us. 
so that even though John had that experience, our experience is nonetheless. Please stand and let's sing. In the stead of 
quickly, I haven't as much time as I just took, but uh, very quickly to um, continue. John then lays out the reason why he's been telling them what he's been telling them about Jesus. You'll notice he says that it's about fellowship. He says, I'm proclaiming this to you so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then he says, the second reason I'm proclaiming this to you is so that um, our joy may be complete. And so it's, it's about fellowship, it's about intimate relationship. He says, with us, but he says, really, what I'm aiming for here is, is, is this relationship, this fellowship with the Father and his Son. Is he implied here, and he'll get into this in more detail later, implied here is he's saying, I don't want you in fellowship with, the, with those heretics. I don't want you in fellowship with those antichrists. I want you in fellowship with us. Why? Because we have the truth about Jesus. If you're with them, you're out of the faith. If you're with us, then you also have the same fellowship that we do, which is fellowship with the Father and, and with his Son. And so he's saying there's, there's two intimate relationships going on here. Uh, the primary one is this fellowship with the Father and His Son. And then that then provides this fellowship with us. The fellowship is a word many of you know in Greek, uh, especially some of you were around in the 70s, and all of us were in koinonia groups, which was this Greek word for, for fellowship. Fortunately, it was before the time we put everything on t-shirts, so we didn't run around with koinonia t-shirts, but we would have had we, had we been able to. But, but this word koinonia means it's a fellowship, it's a sharing in. And there's all kinds of koinonia, there's all kinds of sharing in. Uh, you may have a koinonia with other sports enthusiasts who like your particular sport or the sports you like. That's a certain sharing life in and among that sport or a, a hobby or, or perhaps a, a certain aspect of life like a mom's group or a, a men's group perhaps or maybe a vocational group or a, a trade group or something like that. All kinds of fellowship. And, and John says that we have this koinonia with each other and with God. We're sharing life in, with, from, through the Father and His Son. Thus, as I said before, He was the Son is life. We're sharing in this, this life together, this, this fellowship. And I, I won't delve into this now, I don't have time, but, but along and along, we'll, we'll see, I think, certain words that John uses in his epistle that help us understand what it means to be in fellowship with each other, but particularly with God. Three words. One, he uses the word walk. This is where to walk in him. 
And, and walk means you know, to live life, right? Uh, to, to, to be walking along in the same direction, on the same path, going and being together uh, in that. So, so we walk. You, you know the history of this word walk through the scripture. Enoch in the Old Testament walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham was to walk blameless before God. Uh, Micah 6.8 tells us that we're, we're to walk humbly before our God. That's how we're to live, you see. And so this fellowship, we're actually living life in a way that God is with us and he's walking with us. We're walking with him. We're living this out in him. Another word that John uses is the word know. K-N-O-W. That, that, that we, we know him. He knows us. And that's what it means to be in fellowship, right? If you're, if you're in fellowship with another person, you're sharing something together, you're walking with them in it. You know each other. There's an intimacy there. And, and, and then there's this other word that, that John uses. is this word abide. It means you're going to stay there. This isn't just something you're going to only do for a little while and then, and then and break it off. No, no. You abide. You see, when, when we're in fellowship with the Father and his Son, it's eternal life. He doesn't leave us. We don't leave him. We keep walking. We keep knowing. We're together in this. I could read many verses, have in time, so I won't, but, but one verse uh, in First John chapter 4 combines them all. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we're in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We're to walk as Jesus walked, John says in the first chapter. We're to abide in him. Paul would say we're to be in Christ. We're to know him, being in fellowship with him. Can you, can you, can you get the sense of the intimacy there? Uh, the first definition of koinonia fellowship I, I learned was that it's two fellows in the same ship. I know that's corny, but you'll never forget that now. I'm really sorry. And you get it, right? Two of us in in the same ship, we're going along together. We're we're sailing together, we're floating together, we're uh, walking together, we know each other. We're there, we abide with each other. And there we are, and there's an intimacy there. You see, what, what John is saying is this eternal life is an internal expression of the heart, not an external formality. That was the trouble in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, wasn't it? That Jesus said, make these, I mean, God said to his people, make these sacrifices, and, and they made them, and there came a point where God said, I don't want your sacrifices. And why would he say that? He would say that because there was nothing in their heart. There was no love for him. There was no koinonia with him. They just did it, this external formality. They had the sign of the covenant, uh, but their hearts weren't circumcised. Their lips spoke of him, but their hearts were far from him. We can know that too. There's an intimacy with God, you see. The John says, now that's eternal life. That comes through faith, you see, uh, in, in Jesus and sharing this common life. But notice... This fellowship still, we can't get away from this, and John never will in his, in his letter, there's still this connection between the subjective experience and the objective truth. He's saying only this Jesus, the Jesus who was from the beginning, that I've heard, seen with my eyes, looked upon, touched, the one manifested to us, eternal life, that Jesus, no other Jesus, our experience has to be anchored in him and in no one else. We'll talk more about that. And then he says, I'm saying this to you so that my joy may be complete. And you might think, that sounds rather selfish of John. <laughs> He's saying, I'm doing this, I'm proclaiming this to you. So I can make me happy. But we get it. We know what he means. We, we know what he means. We, we know that, 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 that cheering about Jesus 
with other believers to bring them assurance and strengthen them in their bond with the Lord and their bond with us brings great joy. A while ago, I had the opportunity to to speak at Rick Pratt's installation service at the church in Brookdale. And it was my job to do something called uh, bring a charge to the congregation, which means I'm to exhort them in such a way uh, as to how they are to treat their pastor. And my primary point, although you can only imagine I talked for a while, my primary point was love Jesus, walk with him, know him, abide in him, and you'll make Rick the happiest guy in town. You know that, don't you? Kids, you want to make your parents happy? Wives, you want to make your husbands happy? Husbands, you want to make your wives happy? You want to make... Follow Jesus. And believers are thrilled. It brings them great joy. But not only that, when John uses the word our, he probably doesn't just mean him because he says, we have fellowship, you have fellowship with us, and our joy is complete. That is to say... Being together in fellowship as believers completes our, our joy. You know that. Have you ever had this experience that you've, you've met someone and they're completely different than you? You can't find any similarity at all between you and that other person. And then you find out they're a Christian and it changes everything. It changes everything. And all of a sudden you think, I am in deeper fellowship with you than I am with unbelieving friends with whom I can check off a bunch of boxes that I'm like them. Because you see, our fellowship with each other is grounded in our fellowship with the Lord. You see, it's not based on our fellowship with each other, anything that the world bases fellowship on. It's not based on nationality or ethnicity. I mean, how did Paul put it? In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, um, male or female. Well, uh, Paul was saying, everything that divides us, because that's everything that divided them in the days of Paul, he said, everything that divides us is irrelevant when we know Christ, you see. So nationality doesn't divide us. Ethnicity doesn't divide us. Skin color doesn't divide us. Occupation doesn't divide us. Neighborhood doesn't divide us. Wealth doesn't divide us. Education doesn't divide us. Social standing doesn't divide us. Whether we're attractive or not attractive doesn't divide us. Whether we're married or not married, whether we have kids or whether we don't, none of that divides us. Our political persuasions, parties, that doesn't divide us. Why? Because Christ, being in him, transcends everything. He says, that's Real joy. That's real joy. Hmm. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, I'm thinking of, of those right now who might be thinking, uh, that's just not true of me. I don't have fellowship with the Father and the Son, I don't have this fellowship of believers. It's just not, 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 not true of me. And so I, I pray, God, that you would work in their minds and their hearts, that you would take your word, the word of the gospel of Jesus. And they heard today that, that, that they'll read in the scripture. Perhaps others will share it with them, that they'll hear that word and it will take roots in their heart that imperishable seed. And it will produce a harvest of faith. And then, Father, I'm thinking of those who are wondering, uh, you know, this at one point in my life was true of me, but now it just, it just isn't. I remember fellowship with, with God I even remember fellowship with his, this people grounded in that deep and abiding sense of the presence of God. 
But, but, but now, now it's, it's gone. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take your word and work it in such a way as to renew, revive. God, you say your word revives the soul. I, I pray that it would. Those who once walked, knew, abided, but now feel cold and outside. And then, Father, there are those, no, no doubt, who, who are thinking, yes, this is true. I, I see it. Uh, this fellowship, yes, grounded in the, in the person and work of Christ. And, Father, I pray for those on this day that you just enable them to have a, a Sunday, a Lord's Day, a Sabbath, where they can simply smile and have a glimpse of glory and, 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 and renewed, restored, and, and blessed by this reality of eternal life that is theirs. Father, I know in this day many struggling for various, various ways. I think of those with cancer. I think of those with are out of work at the time. I think of those who are feeling the isolation and the, perhaps even loneliness, missing that which at one time seemed normal in life. And Father, I pray that in intimate relationship with you and even through others in the body of Christ that you would bless strengthen encourage Father I pray that you would bless this study that we're about to embark upon of this epistle that over the next number of weeks that we would know eternal life and this I pray in Jesus name Amen uh, please stand and let's sing together. I have a peace I can't explain That goes beyond the sorrow For there's a truth I can't erase your love is my tomorrow Through deepest loss, through highest gain I have a brighter treasure The grass will die, the flower fades But God is mine forever When fears rise And waters roar around me Through many storms and sleepless nights A quiet grace surrounds me I know not what the future holds I know who holds the future It's true, your perfect love is truer. I have a peace with God and man, for you have reconciled me. I was at war, you came a man. To serve and stand beside me The wounds are deep And anger burns You showed me true forgiveness So I'll extend what I have learned The gift, the peace of God is. Through deepest loss, through 
remind you that uh, there'll be elders available to pray and they'll be in their usual spot up here off to my left. So if you have particular needs, please come and uh, allow them to pray uh, with and for you. And also to remind you that our ushers will come and sort of dismiss you from uh, the back to the front. So you can do that comfortably. And uh, I trust uh, if you desire some fellowship, it's a beautiful day and uh, outdoors will be great. So please receive this as God's benediction. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be ours forevermore. And together let us sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.